Today's Worship Wednesday podcast comes from our June 11th, 2017 worship service, um, Holy Trinity Sunday at Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church in Fairmont, Minnesota. On the first Sunday after Pentecost, the Christian Church generally sets aside as Holy Trinity Sunday, where we take a closer look at the work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also take the time to read through and recite together um, the longest of the three ecumenical creeds, the Athanasian Creed. In the sermon, I talk a little bit um, about how God, our triune God, is our trustworthy God, um, creator, redeemer, sanctifier, absolutely trustworthy, especially when, especially when the enemies of the world from without, and the enemies of my sinful flesh from within seem to rally against and try to extinguish this thing we call faith. In the sermon, I talk a little bit toward the end about the world really blaming Christians and saying, you're the problem, Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. Christian, that you're the problem because you hold to this triune God, while at the same time, the world will gladly applaud and, and accept and celebrate any other religion. Um, so check out a little bit later today, today's What Does This Mean Wednesday podcast. I'll call it the Bernie Sanders Special Edition, because there's the uh, YouTube video of a recent Senate confirmation hearing um, where Bernie Sanders really made some very strong statements about Christianity, and it's quite insightful for our culture. Anyway, here we go. Holy Trinity Sunday, Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church. Please rise. We continue on page 38 in the front part of your red hymnal. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love him and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us, and he has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, dwelling in majesty and mystery, filling and renewing all creation by your eternal spirit, and manifesting your saving grace through our Lord Jesus Christ, in mercy cleanse our hearts and lips, that, free from doubt and fear, we may ever worship you, one true immortal God, with your Son and the Holy Spirit.
Let the earth produce living creatures according to their own kind, livestock, creeping things, and wild animals according to their own kinds. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their own kind, and the livestock according to their own kind, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its own kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that crawls on the earth. God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. God said, Look, I have given you every plant that produces seed on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that bears fruit that produces seed. It will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth were finished, along with everything in them. On the seventh day God had rested from on the seventh day God had finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day, and set it apart as holy, because on it he rested from all his work of creation that he had done. This is the word of our God. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 150, as found on page 122.
second reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We see that grace, love, and fellowship are all gifts from our triune God. Paul writes, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Set things in order. Be encouraged. Agree with one another. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Alleluia. chapter 28. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed him. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some hesitated, because they were uncertain. Jesus approached and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and gather disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next sermon, number 194.
especially our gospel reading from the last chapter of Matthew. In just a few minutes, we will be getting to the longest of what we call the three ecumenical creeds. They sound perhaps a little dry and dusty if you haven't been acquainted with them very much in the past. And we're one of those churches that tries to recite at least one of those on every Sunday, occasionally mixing in other statements of faith. But why? Why do we have two pages in our hymnal? It takes up like six or eight minutes of the service. To say this, what the Father is, so is the Son, and so is the Holy Spirit. The Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father is infinite, the Son infinite, the, Son, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father is eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. Yet there are not three who are eternal, but there is one who is eternal, and so on. Why does it matter that much? To take one day, to take take two Sundays out of the year, perhaps, maybe three, depending on how often we use this one, to recite these basic truths in such, such an expansive fashion. Isn't the Apostles' Creed good enough if we need one at all? I believe, I believe, I believe, 30 seconds and we're done. Our children memorize it for catechism. Why do we have to get into so much detail, especially Especially when the details of our faith and the details of who our God is seem to conflict so mightily with our human reason. You've probably experienced that yourself. As we're reading through the Athanasian Creed, you get to the first line and the couple couple lines in, and you're like, oh, I get it. And we get to the counterpart, where it almost sounds like the Creed is saying the exact opposite. Thought I understood it, but now I don't. So is the, the Trinity, is the Athanasian Creed, simply just that, that statement of faith as a test? Here's a logical conundrum for all of us to chew on for a little bit. Here's, here's a statement of faith that's a real test of the faith. Do you believe it, even and especially when it conflicts with your human reason? Because as long as that creed happens to be, it seems like they just can't condense enough about who God is so that it fits in this tiny little brain of mine. When I think, I begin to understand it, I don't. God is three. Okay, I get that. God is one. I get that. But he's both at the same time at every place. I don't get that. Why? Is that creed so that question. The question, yes, gets to the heart that, well, Pastor Hagen, all of these doctrinal statements, all of these teachings that we go through, that we'll be going through as we travel through the book of Romans this summer, why do all of those matter? Because, because the only way that a person goes to heaven and everyone is through faith in Jesus, and everyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior is going to heaven, so... Why does it seem like, like there are so many things that we have to know, that we have to believe, that we have to review, 
as though, as though church and worship life is simply an academic exercise of the logic. As long as I can say it, and as long as I learned it at one time, then that's good enough, right? At its core. It's the assertion. Yes, the assertion that God isn't truly trustworthy unless I can understand him. And what God does isn't truly good unless I can make a rational, logical, human defense for it. That somehow the points of, of doctrine, the beliefs of our faith, they are, they have less value if I can't have an answer at the tip of the tongue, at the, the touch of the finger on the keys, that if I don't know and if I can't explain why, then the question of what we believe becomes irrelevant. That if I can't explain why does the Holy Trinity matter, why does the Athanasian Creed matter, why does every Christian church in the whole entire world confess the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. Why do they get progressively longer? Why does all this matter? If the only thing that matters is faith in Jesus. And as a corollary, if I can't make a logical, rational defense for the Trinity, somebody says he's three, you're correct. He's one, correct. He's both at the same time, absolutely correct. But where does our human reason lie in relation to our faith? Can we only believe what we can make a logical defense for? That question, you may realize, is becoming more and more pressing. As the world continues its spiral downward toward that eventual end, when God will return in all of his glory and destroy this world with fire, these last days, as we hear about in the book of Revelation, these last days are going to be worse and worse for God's people. There are teachings ridiculed today, <coughs> or ignored today, that just a generation ago wouldn't have even been touched. And if you were to say to somebody on the street, well, I'm a Wisconsin Synod Lutheran, here's what I believe. You can check out our statement of faith on our Wisconsin Synod website. They look at you almost like you're from Mars. Really? Have you read that? The accusation would fly in your face. Do you believe this? Because you just had a reading from Genesis 1 and 2 where you confess and you hear and you believe that God created the world by his own powerful word in seven regular 24-hour days. What sort of a Luddite are you? What sort of an anti-science mind are you? Do you have to just check your brain at the door when you go to church? Say nothing of the Trinity. Because that's really the next logical step. If you can deny any page of scripture, then you have denied every page of scripture. And where does our faith lie? That is to say, the belief, the assertion, the temptation that God himself is not truly trustworthy if I can't condense it down 
and make a logical defense for my faith. If I can't cram every single bit of information into my mind so that I understand it and can just rest at ease and say, oh, Trinity, got that, without having to resort to eight minutes of saying, this is what it is, this is what it isn't, and it sounds like just this logical conundrum. So where do we end up? Do we set aside the teaching of our children because, well, the world will ridicule their, their confession of faith, and the world will say that you know, learning a seven-day creation and learning about the Trinity is really, really doesn't fit with the world around us. Shall we, who have gone through confirmation and been confirmed perhaps 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 years ago, shall we just say, well, I learned it once, I checked that box, but as far as looking at the catechism, memorizing once again what I believe, no thanks. It's the same temptation. It's the same sinful assertion that if God doesn't make sense in my mind, then I don't need it. Or the flip side, once I have gone through the study, once I have learned it, and once I, at least at one time, wrap a little bit of my brain around who God is and what God has done, then that's all I need. And to all that, to all that, well, just look at what Jesus taught. As he walked about for three years, as he said, the day is coming and it will close on you like a trap. As he described the farmer going out to his field and scattering seed, and these little plants needing water and being scorched by the sun. As he said that you as a Christian are just one more sheep in this sheepfold, and the wolves are circling. Which really gets to the question of today. Not so much, what is the Trinity? But why? Why do we confess this? Why do we believe this? And yes, because it is true, that's the simple answer. But why does God spend so much ink telling us about who he is? And what really is the practical value of the Holy Trinity in my life? I think back to creation, and we see especially the work of the Father there, as the Spirit hovers on the waters, and the Father speaks the Word. But so what? What is the practical benefit of that? Why spend the effort learning or reviewing? And is faith simply some logical exercise? Logical exercise where I consent at one time or another, I nod my head, this is what I believe. Thank you very much. I've checked that box now back to regular everyday life with just a distant little thought of what God is like. Because after all, who can understand the Trinity? And why, why would that apply to my life? Well, to, to Christians who had wondered that, that exact question, Jesus came to them once more. He had risen from the dead. He came to them and he told them to meet him on a mountain up there in Galilee. 
Remember on Easter Sunday when he, he was talking with the women and he told them to, to tell his disciples, tell his brothers. That was the first time he used that phrase. Tell my brothers and sisters to meet me on that mountain in Galilee. And so they met him there. This isn't quite the ascension because we know the ascension takes place from the Mount of Olives down in Jerusalem, down in southern Judea, but he goes up to Galilee, the northern portion, and he tells them this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and gather disciples from every nation. you got to picture it. Up on that mountain, maybe Mount Hermon at the very, very northern border of Israel. If you're familiar with the, the Golan Heights, it's not far from there. Up on that mountain, and they see Jesus coming. They see him walking from a distance off. And he still has the, the marks on his hands and his feet. And some realize and recognize and bow and worship, even as he approaches, and others linger back a little bit, wondering, what's the practical value that Jesus is going to tell me right now? What's the point? Why does this matter so much right now? And to all of their questions, and all of that wondering, to all of that sinful temptation, that thought, well, I just um, checked the box, I learned it once, I confess it, or maybe, you know, I don't understand it, but at least I believe it. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and gather disciples from every nation by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given to you. Updated translation from the new EHV translation which will be available this fall. And I think, I think you can get the uh, electronic version on Amazon right now. By baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And there it is. Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, comes to his disciples, comes still to you and to me, and he says, this is who the true God is. There is none other. The gods that, that other people worship, well, they're worshiping demons. Under other names, but the only access we have to the one true God is through his Son. His Son who has revealed himself as the Word made flesh. And so when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, speaking as, well obviously as God, he always had all authority, but now, sharing the human flesh that you and I have, Jesus says, your friend, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about because your sin has been forgiven. That really, literally, God is on your side. And this God is trustworthy, and he's worth following, and even worth losing everything for. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the reason why? Right there. Therefore, go. Make disciples by baptizing and by teaching. And he says, by baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
the only true God. The one true God. And right there, right there, when you were baptized, when your children were baptized, God put his name on you. God created faith in your heart. And no, I'm not going to say that every baptized child is able to give an Athanasian creed length dissertation on the Holy Trinity. But faith is knowledge and trust and really consent. Knowledge. That, that God bestows the gift to know who he is. For you, you do know who the true God is and that there is no other God. Where God creates that trust that recognizes, yes, this is where my salvation is. I cannot follow my own works, but Jesus Christ himself has washed me clean. And he is absolutely trustworthy at every point along the way, even if I personally cannot unfold and unwrap and unravel every single minute teaching of Scripture, even the big ones I have trouble with. Talk about the Trinity. That's central to the Bible. And consent. Bowing of the head that says, yes, this is the God I worship through thick and thin. This is the God who is trustworthy. This is the God that I follow, even and especially when it costs me everything. Why? Why do we take a day to study the Trinity? Talk about it? Because our triune God is absolutely trustworthy. I don't care. You know, I don't know if, <laughs> I do care, obviously, but I don't know if any of us here would be able to provide a, a fully understandable explanation of the Trinity besides the most simple thing that the youngest of children among us could understand. God is three, God is one, he's both always at the same time at every place, done. But why? Does that matter? Because this one true God has blocked you. He had created you. He has made you his own through holy baptism. And he continues to keep you close to himself through his word. As Father and Son send the Holy Spirit to comfort you. As the Son himself comes in the, the meal. Why does that matter? The central point that what you have learned from Holy Scripture is absolutely trustworthy. Especially when the world around you will deny it and attack it. This is... I didn't live through, you know, the, the 60s, as an example. Perhaps modern day is a little bit different than that period of time. Maybe it was similar. I'd have to read about it or talk to somebody that lived through that time. But now seems to be one of those times where our world is changing and turning ever so much more quickly away from our Lord. And not just the, the apathy of throwing up one's hands and saying, what's the use? What's the point? Why should I learn about the Holy Trinity? Why should I go to church? If it were just apathy, well, that's the attack on one side. The attack on the other side points the finger and says, you Christian, you're the problem. 
If what you say about the creation of the world and the end of the world, you're really the problem. Because what you are saying is that you and we are accountable to God, and you, you arrogant Christian, are saying that the word of God itself is the only guide for our life here on earth, and our only hope for life eternal in heaven, and that Jesus himself is the only way to heaven? Wow. hostile and increasingly changes its attacks, whether the attacks of apathy trying to lull the world to sleep, saying it doesn't matter, there's so much more, so much more in life that's more pressing. Or the straightforward attacks. You, Christian, you can't have this type of business, you cannot serve in this type of capacity because you are dangerous because of what you believe. And to all that, say, my God is trustworthy. The triune God is trustworthy. When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, absolutely true as God and man. As we spend a few minutes reading through the Athanasian Creed, it's not just some logical exercise to see how, how much we can befuddle our limited human mind. It's an attempt to try and find the bottom of the well of God's grace. That this is who God is. This is all he has done from the beginning of time until the end. This is how much God continues to do for me. Yes, for you. Because every element of that creed, every element of what you have been taught and what you believe is just another look at the grace of God, almost like holding up a precious stone to the light and seeing how the light shimmers as you turn it. There, God's glory, God's grace, God's love are all revealed in God's truth for you. So why does the Trinity matter? Why do we take a Sunday? same answer for why really we do anything as church. But Jesus has won eternity. And even though eternity is an absolutely free gift that has been guaranteed to you in the word of God, at the same time, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh will continue to try to pull you away. Whether it's the objections of our sinful, fallen human reason, saying, how can this be? The lulling to sleep of the apathy of the world. The straightforward frontal attacks say, you, Christian, you're the problem. It's all that we say, I believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. I guess wrapping up best example that I can think of this was a couple of weeks ago in, in Egypt. We talked about this last Sunday in Bible class, and it just absolutely fits. As the, um, those who worship a false god have 
continued to attack the Coptic Christians in in Egypt. You know, especially where Christians gathered. The Christians said, "What do we do? Do we just roll over, and give up? Do we just say, well, I'll pay the fine and so that you leave us alone? I'll move out of here so that I'll be safe in a different place." No, what did they do? Perhaps you remember. They gathered outside of their church after their church service had been finished that first Sunday after the latest massacre. And here's this entire crowd, probably 50, 80, 100, I don't know, chanting at the top of their lungs the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe. I believe. I believe. Because they had come to know that the triune God, the one true God, is absolutely trustworthy. Dear friends, let us have that same sort of trust. Because we worship the same God. The one true, trustworthy, triune God. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God that goes beyond all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 132 in the very front portion of your red hymnal, where you'll find our confession of faith, the Athanasian Creed. Page 132. Whoever wishes to be saved must, above all else, Holds to the true Christian faith. Whoever does not keep this faith pure at all points will certainly perish forever. Now this is the true Christian faith. We worship one God in three persons, and three persons in one God, without mixing the persons or dividing the divine being. For each person, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is distinct. But the deity of the Father, Son, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory and co-eternal in majesty. What the Father is, so is the Son, and so is the Holy Spirit. The Father is uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father is infinite, the Son is infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father is eternal, the Son eternal. The Holy Spirit eternal. Yet they are not three who are eternal, but there is one who is eternal. Just as there are not three who are uncreated, nor three who are infinite, but there is one who is uncreated, and one who is infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit is almighty. Yet they are not three who are almighty. But there is one who is Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Yet they are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. Yet they are not three lords, but one Lord. For just as Christian truth compels us to confess each person individually to be God and Lord. So that the true Christian faith permits us to speak of three gods or three lords. The Father is neither made nor created, 
were begotten of anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but is begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeds from the Father and the Son. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, but not three Holy Spirits. And within this Trinity, none comes before or after, none is greater or inferior, but all three persons are co-equal and co-eternal, so that in every way, as stated before, all three persons are to be worshipped as one God, and one God of God for the three persons. Whoever wishes to be saved must have this conviction of the Trinity. It is furthermore necessary for eternal salvation truly to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ also took on human flesh. Now this is the true Christian faith. We believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and man. He is God, eternally begotten from the nature of the Father, and He is man, born in time from the nature of His mother. Holy God, holy man, with a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father as to his deity, less than the Father as to his humanity. And though he is both God and man, Christ is not two persons, but one person. One not by changing the deity into flesh, but by taking the humanity into God. One indeed, not by mixture of the natures, but by one being one person. For just as the rational soul and flesh are one human being, so God and man are one Christ. He suffered for our salvation, he descended into hell, rose the third day from the dead, he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from there will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people will rise with their own bodies to answer for their personal deeds. Those who have done good will enter eternal life, but those who have done evil will go into eternal fire. This is the true Christian faith. Whoever does not faithfully and firmly believe this cannot be saved. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
I invite you to turn to page 127 for our responsive prayer of the church. Please rise. Page 127. O Lord our God, you are wise and powerful, good and gracious. Your mercies are new every morning. Each day you open your hand and provide for the needs of your children on earth. We praise you for every grace and blessing. Strengthen your church in all the world. Let your comforting message of salvation in Christ Jesus be proclaimed to troubled souls everywhere. Use our ministries and offerings to extend your healing and your hope. We bring you a request for the various structures of our society. Bless our national, state, and local governments. Grant the civil servants who are worthy of honor and respect. Grant prosperity to our businesses and industries. Give employers a sense of fairness toward their workers and employees a feeling of joy and pride in their workmanship. Help us find satisfaction in all work well done. Invigorate the schools of our land. Give success to every effort that helps students read, think, and communicate in ways that will promote an informed and responsible citizenry. Arouse curious minds to discover the wonders of your created order. Give us teachers and students who pursue excellence. Strengthen the families of our country. Give fathers and mothers a renewed commitment to be good parents. Give children and young people the wisdom to regard their parents as your representatives. Lead us to love one another as you have loved us. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Gracious Father, we pray boldly as Jesus taught us, with the confidence that you will hear and with the faith that we will respond for our welfare. We also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory Be seated for our next hymn, number 538. <laughs> 
please rise for our closing prayer. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation. And bestow on us your saving peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace.
Good morning once again. Special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. Um, the announcements are listed for you there. We've got our food drive finishing up today. If you forgot about it, uh, you can drop anything off by the parsonage before Wednesday, uh, Wednesday afternoon, to be precise. And uh, Moondogs game sign-up is at the back. Um, and also, I think Gabe and Jax wanted to say just a minute, or say something, because I got notification from our college up in New Ulm, Martin Luther College, that they had received the $2,000 from our congregation that was matched, you know, as part of our budget, and then we supplemented that with our uh, Easter offering this year and um, some memorials from Howard's funeral. And, um, and so there was, MLC actually matched that, um, so they just wanted to say a little bit. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I wanted to thank you also for last year for helping provide that, both financially and personally. Um, the money helped financially for tuition and that kind of thing. And then also all the stuff that was given to me throughout the year, all the goodies and stuff that I received, you know, during exam week or other times um, was a lot of help. I just wanted to thank you for that. And then again for this year, you know, being able to go to MLC and uh, continue with that is a great honor. Good morning. Um, so I'm heading out for my first year at MLC, um, August 17th. Um, and anything that you know that the congregation has raised means so much because I would not be able to pay for all of my college by myself. It is a huge blessing to be able to go to MLC and uh, have such a supportive congregation. Say they do pretty well speaking in front of people. God bless your week. Come on, Adrian.